0: Listening to episode 37 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus, mountains of Russia. I'm your host, Eli, and Andrew is tied to a chair in the bathroom with a gag in his mouth. No, that's not true, but I am flying solo today. More's the pity, but you'll get your share of Andrew in just a moment. We're going to cut right to the chase today. This is long overdue. This summer, Andrew had an awesome opportunity to interview a British trekker who made it his <laughs> purpose to traverse the Caucasus on foot from the Black Sea to the Caspian Sea. His name is Richard Hartfield, and I'm just going to say do yourself a favor and go check out his Instagram page. It's Hartfield, R-I-C-H, H-A-R-T-F-I-E-L-D. Rich Hartfield. Well, at Rich Hartfield, because that's how Instagram rolls. He's got a YouTube channel also, um, though there are not any videos of the Caucasus trip there yet, but you can find him at Rich Hartfield on YouTube. Listen, his Instagram feed is stunning. He spent uh, weeks and weeks this summer going all the way through the Caucasus Mountains and... Uh, Recording is his voyage. Um, Andrew had a great opportunity to talk with him here about his trip at about the halfway point when he's about to cross into Georgia. And we're going to switch to that right now because it is a great interview. Let me also remind you guys, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash caucus talk. We've got weekly updates there, uh, posts, links to other content that we don't have time for in the releases and a lot of good stuff. Um, And as always email us with comments, questions, thoughts, concerns, at podcast at caucus dot com here are andrew and richard
1: all right welcome to the podcast rich from the uk hello now rich you, you're from the uk but you are here in the north caucasus right now is that correct
2: yeah, that's right. I'm from Leicester in England, which is very flat, so there's no mountains, uh-huh. and I'm having, having my life out here at the moment. <laughs> that's awesome.
1: Great. That's awesome. So uh, tell yes. us a little about yourself, Rich. How did you get here today? Uh, what drew you to the North Caucasus?
2: Well, I mean, back home, I I just work as like a sound engineer. I do the sound for like live bands, but over the last five years, I've become more and more involved in doing long distance hiking. So uh-huh. it started with taking short trips through like France and um, Switzerland and Spain. Yeah. And I've gradually kind of become more and more drawn to, to firstly mountains and also mountains and places that not many other people hike. Right. I don't mind going to somewhere with less hiking infrastructure. Yeah. I'm drawn towards places that are unique and give a unique experience. And I like the challenge of hiking through them. I find it really fulfilling and rewarding meeting the people and yeah. being more self-reliant. So, yeah. Um, and what drew me to the North Caucasus is that I saw it on a map at first and just saw uh, the mountain range and right. like, what is this place? This is unbelievable. <laughs> and from there, I just started researching um, and started building my own route to try and hike from the Black Sea to the Caspian Sea. Wow. And um, obviously it's not an easy thing to do Yeah. not only physically but also just in terms of the, um, the politics of the region, like it's just quite strict some of the um, permit systems for right. hiking or around zone. here yep. and so, but I'm, I'm out here kind of doing the best that I can to hike as many of these mountains as I can get through
1: That's awesome. Well it sounds like you, mm. you described the Caucasus perfectly you, you said you like to go places that are off the beaten path uh, where there's very little hiking infrastructure, um, that is beautiful nature. I mean, and where the it's interesting to interact with the people. That pretty much sums up this region. Um,
2: yeah, totally. Yeah. Probably.
1: So, where have uh, what have been some of the different interesting like mountain ranges you've hiked before you came to the Caucasus? <sighs>
2: well i've obviously done the alps i did the alps like not not all of them but the more southern region of the alps in Uh france and um italy and switzerland as well did a bit of that Um, and then i I did the pyrenees high route it's called where you basically walk from the atlantic ocean to the mediterranean across the highest parts of the pyrenees and that takes six weeks wow it took me just under six weeks which
1: countries does Um, that span
2: that goes through France, you're constantly skipping between France and Spain because you're right on gotcha. the border on the crest of the mountains gotcha. and you also go through Andorra and the Basque Country in Spain, which is kind of like its own thing. Right, right. Uh, and then last year I made a trip to Eastern Europe okay. and I basically hiked across like fourteen different mountain regions. I started in Romania, then I went to Bulgaria and hiked through Bulgaria into Greece. And then I went to the Balkans and did um, the Sharp planina mountain range, which okay. is on the border okay. of um, Macedonia, Kosovo, um, Serbia, Albania, I went to Albania as well, and just basically just skipped between all these little mountain ranges in Eastern Europe, and yeah, they're like the main trips that I've done now, but wow. other than that, then there's other bits as well, like in Western Europe. Um, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: And now the you're in the middle of a Caucasus, an entire Caucasus journey.
2: I am, yes, I am. And I feel like all the other previous experiences I've had have prepared me quite well for this, but still I feel like everything I've learned from my other trips has been needed on this trip because wow. such an intense place to hike, it really is. But the only way I can describe it is like I think of like the first time that I properly saw mountains. Mm. And your mind is just blown by the scale of it. It feels like coming to the Caucasus is like that feeling again. It's like seeing mountains for the first time again, because the mountains here are so big and so kind of pristine and it's spectacular. It really is.
1: That's awesome. So you've been here, um, is it three weeks so far or how long? I've been
2: here about a month now. I came here on the 27th of June. Yes. Um, yeah
1: and we're recording here late july now so you've spent a month hiking through the north Caucasus, the russian portion and then you're about to cross into georgia to azerbaijan is that right
2: that's correct yeah
1: okay and then how much longer do you have planned like a month and a half two months
2: yeah the latest i can go home really is like early to mid-september okay i've not booked a flight or anything i'm just Gonna see
1: how far I can get, basically.
2: Gotcha. <laughs> Try and get to the Caspian Sea is the plan.
1: You're just not gonna hike all the way back home across Europe. Um, <laughs> at some oh, point, I wish I could. at I some could point, reason prevails and you will fly. Yeah,
2: yeah, I have to, I have to go, go home and do stuff as well.
1: so that's awesome. Yeah. So, listeners, we're time stamping ourselves here. It's late July. Uh, Ritz started the trek uh, from the Sochi area. Uh, on the Black Sea, late June, and then he's going to hopefully finish up early September in Azerbaijan. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, he reached out to me, like, a week ago. Uh, We hadn't met, but he's a podcast listener, and so we definitely wanted to do this interview while he was still in the country. So you are in Vladikavkaz right now, right, North Ossetia?
2: Yeah, that's correct. I think it is important to point out, though, that I haven't been able to hike the entire way to Vladikavkaz. Okay, yeah. There have been parts that, because of the permit system here, even though I had options for hiking mapped out through there that I'd figured out and ran past some guides, I wasn't able to do them, unfortunately. Right. So, but I've still I've hiked a lot still. So a good, I'm happy do,
1: yeah. So you've far. been going a good part of a month. Yeah. Well, don't talk yourself down. We're, we're going to definitely talk you up here. Um, <laughs> so, tell us a little about the hike so far you started in the Sochi area and then you moved did you go into Adigea or did you just kind of skirt it into the like start there in the foothills and work your way into the mountains on the west side
2: yeah I mean basically I tried to start hiking near Adigea um, and I I made my way up into the foothills okay and then I hit like a checkpoint point in a reserve which I wasn't allowed to come by because I didn't have the right permit so then I kind of went back to Sochi okay. and then I traveled through Adigea to Akhiz um, in Karachay-Cherkessia. Yeah. That yep. That is where I started walking okay. from.
1: Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so listeners, we've talked about this a little in the podcast, but because the Caucasus mountains straddle the border, uh, Russia's border with Georgia and um, Azerbaijan. Um, there's a pretty tightly controlled uh, border zone that you can get a pass to most of the time as a foreigner, um, but there's other like protected forests and nature reserves. And so that's what he's yeah. referring to. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So great. So you worked your way into Karachai and Arjiz is basically far southwest Karachai And then what happened from there?
2: Um, well, then I, I set off from Arches, and I first I did like a little two-day hike up into the, the mountains just to the north of Arches yeah. to kind of get a taste for the snow conditions and mm. just to actually start properly hiking. Wow. Came down into the actual village, I suppose, of Arches and right. um, hit some bad weather, so I stayed at a place there. And that was where I first kind of experienced the, the lovely people of Karachai Chikesia. <laughs> I made my first kind of good friend, um, Arthur, who, who owns the kind of guest house where I was staying. Cool. And he um, immediately cooked me dinner, spent the whole night like chatting with him and his um, nephew and listening to lots of um, local music. That's awesome. I was kind of keen to hear some of the local music. Yeah. And then, yeah, um, after our his I then set off again and did like a three, four-day section maybe, which took me to Taberda. Um, Taberda and yeah. that section was incredible, just going through, mm. going over a high pass into an amazing valley, over another high pass into another valley, which was equally amazing, but in such a different way. Mm. It's amazing how different the landscape is, just wow. going from one valley to another. Yeah. So diverse.
1: That's awesome. So listeners, Arjiz and Taberda are basically the two uh, ski destinations in karachay Cherkessia and two of the top ones in all of the North Caucasus and as the bird flies they're very close to each other but (laughs) yeah (laughs) as as the uh, trekker treks it takes a while to get in between (laughs) from one to the other Um, but yeah absolutely gorgeous and I want to make a plug here for uh, Rich has an amazing Instagram page just real cool scenic shots it's at rich hartfield is that right
2: yeah that's correct yeah
1: rich hartfield h-a-r-t field we'll have that in the show notes for you listeners and then you have a youtube channel where well where you as well as you document your treks as well is that right
2: yeah that's right whenever i hike i try to make like a film of my journey for like mainly for the hikers i guess it's something that i've just slowly started doing um I'm no filmmaker yet, but I do enjoy it and yeah, if you go on there, then you can see films of all the other hikes, like major ones I've done recently that's really um, cool and I'll definitely be making one of this trip as well.
1: yeah, the Instagram pictures are beautiful um my Thank I, you. I'm a subscriber, and my wife and I have been uh just gaping uh, at the beauty, so really cool <laughs> cool, Good so chance. you went from he's uh, where you hung out all night with a hotel owner. That's very classic uh, Caucasus, um, took good care of you there. So they spoke English a little bit, I'm assuming? Um,
2: not really, the guy's nephew, he spoke a little bit of English, okay. like quite broken English, but mainly we just, I mean, I've been trying to learn Russian for the last few months and I am terrible, but <laughs> it's always the same, like in these situations, one way or another you find a way to communicate. Yeah. We have internet, so Google Translate can get you out of the mess if you need to, but...
1: That's awesome. um,
2: Yeah.
1: There is no excuse, listeners, for not coming to the Caucasus because you don't know Russian. You will find a way to communicate like Rich did. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, totally, totally.
1: So then Teberda, that's uh, near the Dumbai area, and then what did it look like from there?
2: Um, well, basically, when I got to Taberda, I then took a bus up the valley to Dumbai to find a hotel yep. and rest and wash my smelly clothes and buy food. <laughs> and, um, then I found a lovely hotel there, and the owners invited me to eat with them every meal that <laughs> I was there. Wow. I felt like I was staying in a hotel. I felt like I was just staying like in a family's home, and I was like part of the family, basically. That's amazing. And. It was, it was wicked yeah and then I went and did like a little kind of hike a bit further north that I was going to try and take like a lower route around the Elbrus area because yep. a lot of bad weather hit um, but it didn't work out so I came back to Dombai and just sat out these days of incessant rain gotcha. and then When that rain had gone, I headed back up into the high mountains and started Mm. doing some really high passes using the ice axe, which my hotel owner had kindly given me. Wow. Because I didn't want, which was just such a cool gesture, and I'm gonna try and post the ice axe home as a souvenir.
1: (laughs) That's awesome, man. So did you, at this point, when you're you're heading basically towards Elbrus or around Mount Elbrus, can you see Elbrus a lot of the time?
2: you know i really couldn't because a lot of the time in the caucasus i found the clouds here so crazy like right. they just whip up and you get all the sick clouds mm. sweeping around and it's only really when you get to the top of a pass you can see like quite far but even then, gotcha. it's just rows of mountains like yeah. running parallel to one another <laughs> so i couldn't i couldn't see elbrus until i was literally right next to it and I came up onto this pass and literally, like, bam, like, oh, there's Mount Elbrus. There's and the highest then, mountain in oh, Europe. <laughs> it's just, like, uh, insane, insane to see the thing. But even then, the top is shrouded in cloud at right. the time. The yeah. storms, it's got the same weather system going on up there because it's so high. So Right. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's really cool. So even though it's middle of July, I'm assuming it's pretty cold up at the heights you were climbing at
2: it can get cold yeah i mean it really depends what how cloudy it is and what time of day as soon as the sun drops the temperature drops like that and it's obviously like down there freezing but um i've come to some high elev- uh, elevations i've come to like 3200 on this trip but it's never gone down below freezing okay which has been really cool actually like yeah i've the, the weather here is actually like, it gets less cold than some of the other places I've been, which surprised me.
1: Huh. That's really neat. Awesome. So I, one of your pictures that you posted on Instagram, it looked like you camped literally beside a glacier. Is that right? I mean, are you basically <laughs> yeah. trekking it's among really good, glaciers?
2: Yeah. <laughs> that was insane. That was one of the best camp spots I've had in my life. Wow. It was such a cool place. Such a cool place.
1: That's neat, man. So, um, so from there, did you? So, at this point, you've basically crossed Karachay-Cherkessia into Kabardino-Balkaria, and then did yeah. you head down into one of the valleys uh, at the base of Elbrus there?
2: Yeah, that's right. I came down from the foot of Elbrus after having to basically run across a glacier as a storm came in and it was getting dark. It was terrifying, <laughs> and I come. Wow. and then. It stormed as soon as I got my tent. If it started storming hard, like during the night, and then, um, then in the morning, I came down to the town of Terskol yep. and stayed there for a night and kind of dried out. And
1: that's right at the base of all the mountains. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, so you regrouped. Uh, I can't imagine like hiking all the way up the top of these mountains and then coming back down and then doing it again and then doing it again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, I love it. It's, it's a long, all the climbs here are long. Like on every trips I've done, you'll often do like a 700 meter climb up to a pass. But because here you're often, you have to use the valleys because the mountains are so big. So then when you do go over a pass, you're inevitably climbing that pass from right down in the valley. Yeah. So you're climbing at least a thousand meters every time. Wow. And sometimes you're doing that like, yeah day after day after day just yeah up a thousand like fifteen hundred two thousand meters down Man. another
1: <sighs> i think i described it to on the podcast one time as it's like at the bowling alley uh you've got all the lanes parallel to each other and then you've got yeah. the uh the guard rails you can put on the side to keep the ball from going in the gutter it's like the largest guardrails ever between all these parallel valleys in the, in the North <laughs> Caucasus. Yeah, that's so true.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Definitely.
1: Um, so, and then at that point, you headed back up, back towards, is it Upper Balkaria? Kind of kept heading east through Cabardino balkaria right?
2: Yeah, I kept heading east, but at that point, um, once you get to like near Elbrus, that's when, towards the main ridge, the mountains do become stark. Um, they yes. just start to get really big. And yeah. the pass it, they become a lot more technical. And um, because I'm traveling alone, I mean, I've got crampons and an ice axe, but um, I'm only willing to do so much on my own here. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite intimidating. So at that point, I dropped a little bit further down gotcha. um, to Turnows, is it pronounced? Turnouts, yep. Yeah. And um, then, I, then I went back up into the mountains from Turnouts and... Um, I was a little bit lower then, but still like three thousand meter passes again, and no trail a lot of the time, wow. I'm like scrambling at these like gullies with all water running down and and yeah, that's where I set off from again basically turn turnarounds
1: man. so were you basically this along this whole route, are there trails you're walking on or are you're basically just heading the direction you think is the right way from your maps and coordinates you have?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's trails um, and there's trails on the map. That's how I was able to to design this route, yeah. linking up these trails on the map. But when you actually get there on the ground, it can be a very different story. Like, yes. there's the trail disappears, or you're actually just following like trails made by animals, like cows and stuff that are grazing it there. Yeah, and at the times it's a, it is a trail, but unlike western europe like particularly france where they have all these nice little paint flashes everything's made so like the french don't even use maps like they to hike because everything's so laid out here, you might if you get to a really sketchy high pass there might be some cairns like you know piles of stones right and that's always a good feeling when you start seeing the cairns you're like oh man at least i'm, I'm on the right
1: someone route. was here yeah. before
2: That's the most I've ever got here, some Cairns. I've never seen any weight marks or anything like that. But that's a really good thing, you know. Like, it's not so... I mean, it'd be nice if there was a little bit of infrastructure in some areas to make it easier for more people to enjoy these mountains. But, you know, I think it's great that a lot of it is so protected and is so pristine because Mm. that's a really important thing, right, to to have some mountains that don't have that. And it's just finding the right balance, I guess. Like how, how much do you want to make this more accessible to more people and how right. much do you want to not waymark things?
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, if you even um, kind of zoom out big picture, I think for a lot of people in the world, the North Caucasus is – the North Caucasus itself, the region, is like totally unheard of and off people's grid. But then when, even when you come – yeah when you you get up into the mountains it's like total virgin territory, like you can find places where nobody have been in a long time you know um,
2: oh yeah, yeah so
1: it is, and especially there in the border zones, some of those more protected areas where you were hiking that's just you don't you won't see a soul all day, you know
2: no no, not soul like and and then added to that, I suppose like on a slightly different level, like even when I come down from the mountains and I'm in the villages and the towns, even like here now I'm in a big city like Vladikavkaz, I've, I've still not met one foreign person since I left Sochi. <laughs> I've only met local people, Russians, like that is it. And yeah. so it's like even walking around Vladikavkaz and I go into the shops, they start to click that I'm like foreign immediately like, "Where are you from?" Like they're so surprised to see me. Right. It's such an odd feeling to um, to to be traveling through here, like from the place I come from, and alone. It's, yeah, it's very cool. It's really interesting to 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 not meet any of the tourists at all.
1: It's amazing. Like you're about to cross into Georgia, the country of Georgia. We were just there with our family. Uh, we we literally were in the first town across the border, and it's like tourist central there. It's, there are so many foreigners and that is what lots of trekkers like yourself but that's what struck us is in the North Caucasus you don't run across people like that regularly whereas as soon as you get into Georgia it's to- totally different ball game it's a lot more accessible for people um, so that's a good observation you yeah. made. Um, yeah I'm,
2: I'm not looking forward to that in some ways like <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that the parts I go to I'm, I'm just hoping it doesn't take the experience too much i'm one of those people where i like to, to go somewhere where i'm gonna get like more of a i guess like a unique experience of what it's like for the people who live there and yeah. um, it's it can kind of dilute it a bit when there are lots of um other people like traveling through there as well but um yeah <laughs> huh. we'll see what it's like when i get to georgia
1: so you have this one great story that you read on your instagram about rich uh can you tell us about that when the storm came up and you went on a run for it? And then who was waiting for you?
2: <laughs> oh, this is brilliant. This was only like a few days ago. Um, I was coming over a high pass um, and I started to get stormed on. And I was it was literally like the loneliest stretch of trail i had done in a long time. Mm-hmm. I had not seen anyone for the entire day. It was just fog for the whole day, nearly. And I was running down this pass and it was pouring with rain, thunder around me. Wow, I'm thinking I need to find somewhere like to put my tent up or even find like a shelter, yeah, just get out of like this exposed plateau I was on. And yeah, like then out of nowhere, there's a guy on a horse, um, <laughs> and he's got like aviator sunglasses on, and I'm like, oh man, it's a shepherd, no way, like it's perfect. <laughs> so I'm trying to like asked this guy like in really broken Russian like is there somewhere I can find shelter and I couldn't really understand exactly what he said I've, I've got it on video and stuff um, but he's he was basically directing me to a shelter and just like pointing and I was like is it far like in Russian he's like no it's not far so I just started running and he's like go 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 wow. and I find the shack and it's obviously like his home like this hut um, with like a pen around him where he keeps his sheep Mm. And so yeah, I, I'm like, oh okay. So he wants me to go in his hut. So I I went in there and like sat, started drying off. And the guy came back and turns out his name's Boris and he's this lovely Balkar shepherd. <laughs> he immediately is like, you're staying the night here. You're going nowhere. Oh. He puts he starts stoking up his stove in his hut and making me some chai tea. And then he lays out a spread of food. Um, and wow. just starts speaking to me puts the radio on and <laughs> it was amazing we had the best time just chatting trying to kind of speak to one another couldn't really understand one another but it, it doesn't matter Like we, we, we still managed to have like, some conversation I found out wow. a little bit about how he lives and stuff like that it was amazing
1: that is so cool, he was probably happier to see you than you were to see him, he probably hadn't seen anybody in ages
2: <laughs> yeah maybe maybe
1: Wow uh, that
2: certainly make me feel welcome. That is uh, and there has been so many things like that, you know, like on the whole trip, like I've stayed like in um I think it's pronounced okay. in um Yeah in Karachai Chikasia I stayed with a family, they I came through their village late, late in the evening and they were like, Hang on, you're going nowhere, like you're not gonna go and put your tent up, you're coming in our house <laughs> and yeah, it's like eight in the evening and they're they're making me dinner, they're like offering me to have a shower. They're taking photos of me and stuff, like introducing me to all their family. And it's just been like that everywhere, Andrew. Like it's been so cool.
1: That is so cool. I mean, we've talked about, we talk about this all the time on the podcast. You can't make this stuff up. You can't plan for it either. It's just how coxist people are. And um, yeah, it's, that's really cool. You got to experience but it, but it's
2: like it's like Rashid said on your podcast episode of him. It's not yeah. even just here. It's in the mountains. Like mm. I've been, like I said, I've been to mountains in Romania, and I've had shepherds there. Right, take me in, give me food, chat with me, even though I don't speak Romanian and yeah. they don't speak English. I've had it in the French Alps. Shepherd is like brought me in in a storm. Huh. Like obviously here, it's 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 even more so almost it is in their culture to be hospitable to guests it's so important to them to make you feel welcome and it's and it's a sincere thing as well it's sincere they really want to um yeah like share share with you and um Mm. yeah it's a really unique thing
1: yeah that's so awesome and it's i love how you said multiple times like it's not an invitation to stay it's you are being told you aren 't going anywhere you 're <laughs> staying here. I know it 's best for you, and it 's staying here tonight and we 're going to make yeah. sure you 're well fed and warm before we send you out again <laughs>
2: it's how you're late. It's how you're late.
1: man that 's awesome um, so man so you 're at the end of your journey here i 'd love to hear i 'm sure you spent a lot of time preparing for this trip. Uh, I know you did I a did. lot of reading and um Probably you had people who don't come here, it's dangerous, et cetera. What, how has the reality matched up with your expectations? Has it been totally different? Has it been what you expected? What is, as far as, let's talk about both the actual mountains and then also the people and the culture.
2: I mean, the actual mountains, like, I'd obviously, I've, I've had to research this room really carefully. Right. Because it could be so dangerous to get things wrong. And also, yeah. I've had to run things by guides out here. People who, who help other people do tours out here have, have helped me. They've, they've kind of gone over my route and, and given it the okay, and they've mm-hmm. helped me get permits and things. So I had a good idea about what the mountain terrain and the conditions would be like, because yeah. you just have to know that stuff before you try something like this, otherwise it's not responsible. Right. But still, obviously, when you actually get here, and you look, at those mountains <laughs> you look at the, the rivers snaking down an epic valley and then wow. at the end there's glaciers i mean nothing can prepare you for that it's incredible um That's awesome. so i mean it's obviously surpassed my expectations the diversity of the landscapes just like i said just between adjacent valleys is really astounding hmm. um and the culture i mean I wouldn't say it surprised me, it's just been incredible, but yeah. it's also, it's like I've witnessed in other places, like in Albania as well, and, and Romania, it's, it's that, that idea of being welcomed is something that's not new to me, mm. but also the actual, so many of the customs here have been such a new thing to me, like yeah. today, I'm on the bus, a guy gets on the bus, he shakes my hand, he shakes the guy's next to me's hand. He, he greets everyone on the bus as he gets on, and I just think that's so cool. Wow. Like, that's such a, that's a nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, and there's just so many little things like that which I could never, have, I guess, not prepared for. But I just, yeah, it's it's all new to me basically, and it's been such a rewarding thing to to learn about how the people here live.
1: Yeah, that's so so cool. Yeah, I mean. Basically, respect for others oozes out of Caucasus people and they it's not just words you know they show it like they yeah shake your hand they'll kind of not bow to you but like they'll put their head forward so they'll go lower than you and or they'll make their seat available or they'll take care of you for the night you know um yeah that's really cool yeah it's
2: all actions like it's they they show what they feel um, yeah it's Oh, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it but.
1: that's awesome, that's so cool well I know you mentioned, uh, why don't you give a shout out you had some some local guys who helped you plan this route, I know both of them really great guys um, if, if we have any listeners who are interested in pulling off a feat like this there are people here who can help <laughs> you do it um,
2: yeah I mean I'm not sure if they help anyone else out the amount of annoying questions I've had to <laughs> barrage them with over the last what 10 months I've been planning this Constantly like, oh, what about this? What about this? But yeah, I, I could not have done this. None of this would have been possible at all. As much work as I've put in, I've had some crucial help from a company called Caucasus Explorer. Yep. Um, and they've helped me so much with planning this trip. And That's then cool. also Rashid, who you had on um, with, for an interview. I think his company is yep. Caucasus Voyager, is it? Okay. Um, he's been such a great help as well. And then also, I got in touch with when planning this Levison Woods, he was the one who put me in touch with Rashid, um, because Levison Woods did like a TV show about the Caucasus, and I was planning my trip and then heard about that, and yeah, I I reached out to him via email and didn't expect to hear back, but yeah, fair play to the guy, like he responded, and he really helped push me on to try this actually, and made it feel more achievable, which was great. Yeah, and there's been other people who've helped me as well. Like I've got in touch with other people via email and stuff, like for little bits of information about maybe like a specific area. Yeah. And um, so much like research has gone into this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, you think of guys like yourself, kind of these like uh, lone rangers, uh, you know, supermaning it all the way through. But it's really what you just said is a testament. <laughs> it was no like way. it was a community effort. You know, it's really cool to hear
2: yeah absolutely like you can't do you can't come to somewhere like this and do this without help
1: from other people no way that's awesome well listeners i hope you enjoyed that uh again i want to point you to um rich's youtube channel and instagram uh we'll, we'll have links in the show notes but it's at rich hartfield for instagram is it the same for youtube as well
2: yeah, yeah, my channel is just called Rich Hartfield or okay.
1: Richard Hartfield. You, you'll find it. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful to see. That's awesome. And this, I mean, this is cool. This is a guy who he found us. He found Caucus Talk on iTunes and uh, reached out to us. We love hearing from you. Uh, we're starting to hear from more of our British listeners, which is really cool. Um, to wrap up, do you have a football team, a club team you want to give a shout out to? Um,
2: oh, my football team? Yes, I support. Oh, Brighton and Albion, of course. That's where <laughs> I'm from originally. Um, yeah, the Seagulls. We're in the Premier League now. We're smashing it. Going to have a great season next year. Well, next season. Yeah.
1: <laughs> love it. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, I know you're probably disappointed with fourth place finish kind of t- tweeted out there, petered out there at the end, but England had a good showing in the World Cup.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. And I even got to see us win that penalty shootout from my hotel room in off his. So I was chuffed with that. I saw the good bit and didn't see us get knocked out. So, yeah, good That's welcome for awesome. me at least.
1: That's awesome. Well, Rich, thanks for this. This was great. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, enjoyable for our listeners to listen to. And uh, wish you luck on the rest of your trek through the Caucasus.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, and keep keep making the podcast because I'm I'm going to keep listening. Hopefully, come back here again, and awesome. um, like some more of these mountains.
1: Yeah, you've got uh, you've got the Eastern Caucasus to cover now. So you just covered half of it so yeah. far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I look forward
1: to the other. Half. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Rich.
0: Thank you. Well, if you were able to resist that whole time and haven't gone to Richard's uh, Instagram page yet. Uh, Let me encourage you to do that. It's in the show notes. Again, that is at Rich Hartfield. It's on Instagram, and uh, there's just a bunch of little videos that he's done up there. Uh, Really amazing story. The interview in combination with the photos, I hope, if you are still resistant to coming to the caucuses, will edge you ever closer to heading our way. Thanks for listening. This was episode 37 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus of Mountains of Russia, and we look forward to seeing you when you get here.